Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tales from Tolt. My name is Dwayne Davidson, your host. This is a program where we discuss the fascinating and rich history of that place we call the Sonoma Valley, basically from Monroe to North Bend. Welcome everybody. Uh, today we return uh, programming back to uh, do interviews of pioneer families. And we've got an important one here today. We had two people from the, this family to uh, uh, share a little bit about a family that was very prominent out in the Vincent area. Uh, Thea and Chris, uh, will you two please introduce yourself for me, please? Okay, I guess I'll start. Uh, I'm uh, Thea Benjamin. Um, and I'm the uh, was the oldest daughter um, of Edgar and Esther Qual. Okay, Chris. Yeah, I'm uh, Christy or Chris uh, Kirby, uh, and I was right after Thea, kind of was in the middle there, um, <laughs> and now presently living in Carnation in an old house and loving it. Okay, great. And Thea and I both being old children, we know what those middle children are like. They get away yeah. with everything, don't they? <laughs> 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 they never get blamed for anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, this is a this is going to be a delight because a call family is one that has been uh, there's been some association of friendship between uh, people in my family, the Davidsons and the Minchels and uh, the Qualls for years in which we really appreciate. Wonderful, wonderful family that goes way back to the turn of the century. It's amazing how many families came in that short period of time. We just had a recent interview with a Roney family and they came, I think it was the exact same year, 1901. If I remember, if I read my story right, of when uh, your uh, great-grandfather came here. And so do you want to, one of you start off with just a little bit about the history of the family of when they came to uh, the area? Well, uh, they came from the Trondheim area in Norway, uh, both our grandmother and our grandfather. Um, and the story is that my grand, when my grandmother came here, she was supposed to marry someone else. I'm not sure how she got back in touch with our grandfather, but anyhow, they ended up getting married um, and having four children. Um, our dad, uh, and then um, who was the, actually the youngest in the family, and then Will Qual, who was only 11 months older than our dad, and then two sisters, Emma and Margaret. They were the oldest. That's interesting. Then they had two sons, and like you said, uh, uh, Olaf, he was your grandfather, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Both both of your uh, grandfather. And he died kind of young, did he not? Yes. Yeah, he was, uh, what, the 41, 42? Oh, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. he, died, he died of pneumonia. And um, so it, at that point in time, uh, the farm was being run by Dad and Willie and Margaret and Emma and Grandma. And uh, dad was like 14, Willie mm -hmm. was around 16. So nice. they had to resume, you know, they would uh, go down and milk the cows and hopefully change their clothes, hopped on the bus and went to school, came back, same deal. 
and um, and grandma, I think, helped out too, run the farm. So it was it was hard times, but um, they stuck with it. They stayed on the farm. So now, was this general farming, which was primary and primarily in this case dairying, was this something they they were used to? Is this something they did in Norway? Mm, I don't think they did it the way they did it here because um, they didn't own land in Norway. That was one of the reasons they Reason came. They came here. Right, because they were, um, I forget the name of it, cotters. Cotters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just, they leased property on a farm in Norway, but they didn't own land. So they came and um, then they had to, they, they bought the farm, Olaf and Inga's, our grandma and grandpa, bought the farm from Oleronis, I think in 1921. Um, oh. But then they had to clear all of the land in the fields. And that involves some really interesting stories about blasting, cutting all the trees, blasting the stumps. Um, and dad told, tells good stories about that whole process. I have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blasting the stumps. Yeah, it is. I have, a, I have a tool that I hang out on one of our sheds it's a long, long, long handle with a little shovel on it. And that's what they use to put the dynamite to the pile of stumps to blow it up. And of course, dad's holding the cap in his mouth, you know, it's, but it was, that's where you see Dwayne, all those pictures of those huge piles of stumps. Yeah. That were burned, big slash piles that were burned. And yep. Yeah, I was able to get uh, uh, from Carnation Farms when I worked there. I have an old box that I've uh, kind of restored and painted. And it looks kind of like it's a wood box. It looks kind of like a lunch pail, but I use it. That's where I keep my shoe polish and shoe polish kit for when I polish my shoes when rare occasions I do. And uh, that was a dynamite box at Carnation Farm for mm. packing the dynamite out to the stumps. And so it was a common thing of the clearing of land, which was hard, brutal, and extremely dangerous work uh, back then. It's amazing you, you said the connections to the Ronies because, uh, you know, the nationalities of people, probably because of the shared tongue, uh, probably some knowledge of each other and relationships, uh, people kind of really settled in clusters of uh, nationalities. I mean, if you go down by Mignoshi's, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, north of Carnation, there's the Mignoshi's, the Andrelli's, the Maletta's, yeah. and, you know, the Italians. And then Desmond Row is famous down in uh, at Duval being, you know, just a road of nothing but Dutch farmers. Um, novelty kind of took on that kind of pretense that they it was a lot of Norwegians, but it did become kind of a diverse community also. Uh, especially in a little bit later years with uh, introduction of some other uh, nationalities. You want to talk about that just for a moment? Well, uh, there were the Sados who were Japanese. And um, during World War II, uh, they had to leave their farm because of um, the relocation. Um, they did come back, unlike some other places like Bellevue. Um, and then uh, there were some Dutch, uh, there were some Swiss, uh, the, the, the Russias or the Rusias. Uh, there were some Swedes. So there was a real mix. I've heard that uh, story too about the Sados and it is nice that they were able to lease it and preserve it for the family so they had something to return to it. And that 
let's we all met it was a very sad and very unfortunate time of our history of a really bad judgment being made to, to do that but it was really good to know that some people actually were able to keep their farms that were subject to those um those kind of conditions and the sados being uh, one of them so uh yeah but it is there is a lot of norwegians there i mean i've seen i've actually witnessed myself on the Vincent School, the Norwegian flag flying under the American flag before. So I know that you there's know. some proud Norwegians out there. Right. <laughs> yep. Well, you got all the Salbergs too. Yes, and I, I was friends yeah. of Salbergs when I went to school. It was a remarkable yeah. place, a remarkable farm. You want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, the Vin, what made that kind of, whenever you have an identity of a community like that, you're going to have something that kind of brings it all together. There was no commercial base or anything else like that. There's no store. There's no post office. Um, so the thing that brought you guys all kind of together and made a sense of a community that nucleus, of course, was the school. Right. That's where the community meetings were and everything else. And it is a delightful building. Uh, I actually had a reunion just a few years back, class reunion at the Vincent School. Um, I'm proud. Uh, 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 I thought it was remarkable that for years you went inside. I, I assume it's still there. And Theodore Roosevelt's picture was up on the wall as the president up there. And because I was my favorite president, I'm just going to reveal to the audience right now that always I thought was pretty dang cool. You know, uh, uh, you, you, you guys want to talk a little bit about the Vincent Schoolhouse? Well, one aside, it, the fact is that. Our aunt, who married um, our Uncle Bill, or William, uh, actually taught at that school. That's how she met our uncle, or at least that's the way the story went. Uh, um, so, yeah, we have a lot of connections to that school. So was that a, so when he taught there, um, I know like the Pleasant Hill uh, school that was out by where I grew up, it was a one-room school. Yes. So there's one, was that the case? Was there just one teacher and the pupils? Yeah, I think so in uh, our dad and I assume Uncle Bill and the rest the, the, the our two aunts uh, went to school there until they were in the sixth grade oh and then they went to Carnation because there is, uh, there is a part of the building lane that was added on for a teacher to reside so it was kind of a living space but yeah it started out there's a really early picture just of the one room of the schoolhouse, and then there was a little addition. But the bell's still up there. You can get up there and ring that bell. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> I know, Thea's done that. There was, you know, when Thea and I were growing up, um, that's where all the ladies in the valley would hold bridal showers, baby showers. And they had, uh, I would say for our parents, it was parties. They had some pretty pretty fun parties. We didn't, well, we didn't get to see any of those, but we've heard some stories <laughs> of these parties. <laughs> there were dances. Dances and a little sneak and a little snip out on the back porch or the front right. porch. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's where those farmers let off some steam. Yeah. 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 A good relaxation was something. It was a hard life, so they probably it deserved it occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was an interesting, just kind of getting off a little bit uh, uh, off track here, just a little bit. But I, I found an interesting thing I was reading the other day that was a requirement in so many of those little schools back then that the teacher had to remain single, and the moment that she married, 
I don't quite understand the logic behind that. If they felt that she'd be biased to her own kids if they were in class or that her attention would not be as devoted. But I always thought that was a, like a weird, requir- a weird requirement. But uh, uh, evidently, it was pretty standard. Yeah. Well, Dwayne, I have to tell you that when I first started teaching in the 60s, the practice was that when you... Um, I mean, if you're married and you got pregnant, you were expected to to resign. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Same kind of thing. Wow. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, we we established uh, that there was the uh, uh, the Sados and there were uh, Solbergs and Walls and stuff. There were Norwegians. And uh, there was also some uh, Dutch families of the cinemas. and Popkimas uh, yeah. that were in there in the area and Zitterbombs. And then there was also, um, was there any other uh, uh, nationalities represented out there? I think the Lorraine Barker, I think, I think, I think that was English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what would you kind of consider the area of Vincent? Uh, where, where, did, where was the school lines at? What kind of made that where was the boundaries of what that would be called, that community? Was it Carnation Farms and up the valleys a couple miles or what? No, I think it was more the area around the schoolhouse, maybe down to where the Wallaces lived at the foot of Novelty Hill um, and that area. So it was, it was pretty confined. It wasn't very large. No. Mm-hmm. And it would go over to Carnation Farms and then... Um, there were also the berries, um, and actually down where the berries lived, when our, uh, gr- great grandparents came here from Norway, they first had a farm that was down on the river, right near the berries. This is close to Carnation Farms, uh, but, uh, and we have some pictures of the house and the barn, but it flooded and, and I, I it washed away. And so it was after that, that they moved from there up to the hillside, but we still retained that property. Um, and we always referred to it as the other place. And we kept heifers down there. Not to, not to repeat episodes and repeat information on episodes, but I find that interesting that just a couple episodes ago, we uh, interviewed the Ronies and they said the very same thing. They originally settled down the river and the very first flood, flood that came, uh, the decision was made we have hill property. Why are we here? Right. The right. up there. <laughs> and, and evidently, Mr. Stewart said the same thing about Carnation Farms. The original farms was down in the valley, what they refer to as the Cattery, way down yeah. on the riverbanks. And when he came there, he and seeing the cow standing in water, yeah. his, his grandson or great grandson that owns a farm now, uh, Bridge Stewart, said, told me in an interview, he said his uh, his great grandfather said, "Do we not own that hill there? Why are our <laughs> barns not there?" You know, right. it's like, <laughs> "Hello, who's who's running this place?" <laughs> yeah, takes a while. You know, we didn't remember the Sykeses. Were oh, there. oh, yeah. And then, and that's got, a pioneer family. Oh, really? Way back, and then the oh, probably the, some of the oldest was Fluck, Mrs. Fluck and Adairs, right. and they are yeah. primo early ones. Yeah, they mm. were there really early. Yeah. Yeah, we used to, Chris and I used to go visit Mrs. Uh, Adair or, or Mrs. Fleck, and she used to t- you know, tell us stories about having to walk up 
Novelty Hill and I don't know where they were going to Redmond or Kirkland or whatever and following the what she referred to as the Indian Trail. Okay, well, hey, uh, we need to pause for just a moment. So when we come back, we'll continue to talk to, uh, to Chris and Thea about the Qual family of Vincent. We'll be right back, folks. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest eclectic music. Hi. I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat. Maybe a straitjacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m. for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science. That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back to Tales from Tolt. I'm talking today with members of the Qual family, a family that goes back to the uh, uh, turn of the century, the 1900s uh, in the Vincent area, uh, Chris and Thea. And Thea, you want to just elaborate a little bit more? Feel free to jump in, Chris, about what was, um, let's just talk a little bit about what was farm life like back then? What was it like being on the farm well, um, on the farm, there were actually uh, three houses. And uh, in one house, uh, the, the original farmhouse, my, our family, Chris and our family lived. And then uh, my Uncle Bill and his family had built a house uh, up on the hill that was on the same farm. And that's where uh, they lived with our three cousins. And then there was another small house and our grandma lived there. Um, and actually she had lived with us until I was about in the, I think the first grade. Um, so Chris and I found out that this was traditional Norwegian um, farm lifestyle when we went to Norway and saw this pattern repeated there where you would have one big house and the grandparents lived in the small end, the other, um, family that was actually farming um, the farm, lived in the other part of the house. And then up the hill, there were aunts and uncles, uh, Uncle Harold, who had never married. Uh, so uh, it was a, a real pattern of the um, Norwegian heritage. Mm, interesting. So the, lots of extended family and kind of right. built their own, like the family network was like the social network at the time. Absolutely, because yeah. that's who we played with. And and uh, both my uncle and my dad ran the farm <clears throat> and owned the farm together. Uh, our grandmother had actually told them um, that if they stayed on the farm, that they would inherit the farm. So that, that was the arrangement that they had. So our playmates were our cousins. Marlene was my age, and um, Dwight was my brother uh, John's age, and then later uh, there was Jeannie, who was my, uh, close in age to my brother Ed, and Chris was kind of in between. Chris turned into a bookworm and read a lot. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, 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 but we had all kinds of uh, fun things that we did growing up on the farm. I mean, Chris and I ended up, you know, we had to help in the house and do housework, but anytime we weren't actively doing that, uh, you know, we were down in the barn trying to find the kittens or up in the haymow or out in the fields or up in the hill or down to the creek. 
I mean, we had a lot of liberty. No helicopter parents there. <laughs> now we we did we did talk about, uh, and maybe Chris, you can explain a little bit. We did talk about uh, the cousins, but we haven't fully uh, described your family. Uh, you have two other siblings, right? Yes. And and that is uh, Ed. And if I remember right, Ed actually lives over here where I live in yes. the Tri Cities. Yes. Right? Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. They just and, moved. Both of them moved out of the valley. So we're, Chris and I are kind of miffed about it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Ed was our plumber. I, I yes. called him often with plumber questions. Yeah. And then our cousin Marlene moved over to Ellensburg, too. So. And Ed worked at, Carne uh, at uh, the, uh, the grain store yeah. yes. for years and years and years. And uh, and. Uh, I like to say with pride that that was my first salary job uh, <laughs> when I was still in, uh, I mean, of course I worked on farms and did hay and this, and, you know, just pickup jobs. But the first job I got a paycheck from was uh, working at the Grange store, but it really wasn't the Grange at the time because Terry Wilson had just purchased it. And I think that was right after Ed worked there. Was that not, or did Ed work there when Terry was there also? Terry Wilson. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, yeah, Ed, I think he, Ed was a lot younger than we were. There's yeah. 10 years difference. Yeah. So we were kind of gone when he was doing. Yeah, we were we were gone. Uh, now, now, did I pick up something when Thea was talking about the uh, about the family relationship and, and uh, the extended family situation? Uh, or have both of you been back to Norway? Did I hear that correctly? Yes. Yeah. We have oh, that's that. great. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. So that's what, well, how the, neat was that? Well, the Primo trip, I think I've been back there about seven times, just meeting cousins because we really became pretty good friends and met all of the extended family cousins back there from grandma's row, ROE side. But um, Thea and I went with mom and dad um, and we went, it, which was quite a trip because they've never done a long overseas trip like that before. But we went and uh, we stayed with relatives uh, in Morocco, which is east of Trondheim. But we got to the house where grandma grew up in Salag House. And now we, that's cool. I mean, that you know, is new. It, it is wow. neat, and, and I'll never, ever forget, we were standing on a hill, and we were looking out over there, and I remember Dad standing there. What did you say, Thea? It was just like this. I mean, it, it really touched him that right. he got to see that. Um, yeah, it was quite a trip. Um, Thea and I had a few little side trips also uh, off right. our own. <laughs> right, right, right. And, we had some fun with Anders, the woodcarver, where he and dad had a night of, uh, I, I think we lugged some alcohol with us on the trip. <laughs> right. <laughs> dad, was, dad and I nip broke into one bottle a little early and it was like, <laughs> we, we were in trouble. trouble. We were in trouble. We were in trouble. But it was a great trip. And I was so glad that Thea and I did that. Uh, Later, Chris and I and John and Ed, just the four of us with oh, no spouses yeah, yeah. or anything, went made a trip there too. And, that's uh, neat. and saw the relatives. We went up to Trondheim and we actually rented a car and drove all over uh, Norway. Um, 
not not any further north than Trondheim, but so we were able to uh, explore, and that that was a lot of fun. That was a blast. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It was. Got to know our brothers in a little different ways. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. It was great. Yeah, yeah. So now, has any has any extended family of that are in Norway currently? Have any of them ever come out to visit you folks here? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So they've come out to see what you guys are doing in the States, too. Right, right. Well, yeah. well our, our Carson Tormund came, uh, and actually his family, uh, his father actually had lived here in the States in Minnesota for a period of time. Uh, but then they went home. He went home to take care of his elderly parents uh, and got caught by, the, by World War II. So never came back. Oh, wow. Wow, that's interesting. Wow, so wow, th this is neat. There quite a few trips back there and uh, being able to explore all that history. So I just only assume that you guys are still keeping contact with some of them on, mm -hmm. on an occasional basis. Yeah, 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 we do. In fact, three years ago, Thea and I took a trip. Right. And we extended the trip and went to Norway and met up with um, Tormod and stayed for a few days with him in Oslo. So that was just what, the uh, three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, three years ago, I think three years yeah. before. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the things I found really interesting in talking to people is, you know, we all come from different nationalities and all of us are, you know, just so many generations away from some of people with the families have been here longer than others, but uh, normally don't have to go back very many generations. It seems to be a common um, uh, thing that uh, uh, there was a discouragement about talking, you know, in the native tongue around the children. There was really a major effort made to try to identify with the new national the, we're americans now and you we should practice that even though sometimes they go to church and the readings would be norwegian or what, what have you and different nationalities there was usually a, a like let's 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 you know we're we're here now is that something that you folks experience too with uh um um some what discouragement about uh, norwegian customs and stuff like that or you know, that's an interesting question. Um, I think I, I didn't feel that way. Um, I know they didn't speak much Norwegian. I think once in a while you could be sitting at a dinner and you could tell they would lapse into a little Norwegian. That was just something they wanted to say. Um, but because we had grandma with us all the time, she the, there it was the other way around, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative that in some families it was that way because I think it it, it shouldn't have had to been that you have no. to like divorce yourself from the past. It's nice that some of them found a way to embrace both. Yeah. This is, a, this is a melting pot and let's, let's keep celebrating our heritage while still mm -hmm. appreciating the new. And I think it's nice that some families found that balance when others didn't. So, well, it was a ritual at Christmas. I mean, it was all the relatives and you had to, you had to at least take a bite of Ludafisk and you had to pour a lot <laughs> of butter on it. But grandma always made all the seven different kinds of cookies and, and, you know, and she kept in close touch with, with friends in Norway. 
So if you go over there, you're going into a little Norway house, you know. So I, I think because of grandma. Oh, I know all about that. I got a couple of friends here in Trace Cities that are just good <laughs> friends that, that just feel that I have to be subject to that for some reason when I'm not Norwegian the least little bit, but because it's a fundraiser for the First Lutheran Church down in the Elm oh. Highway here, I got to go to the big Ludifus feed. And, oh, I'm not, oh, yeah. I, I, I consider that a real testament to my dedicated friendship I have with those yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you got to do it. <laughs> Well, let's talk just for a little bit more about your experiences of growing up on the farm. You were just every day. Uh, I like you talked a little bit about the fact that you had primarily your playmates and things were family that was around. And I know that work was hard, but I would imagine that um, you had your set chores to do. And and uh, there, there was a lot of work to be done on the farm. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, and there was a strict, as I mentioned, division of labor. The boys went to the barn and helped, and Chris and I worked in the house. Um, but then also, Dad was quite a gardener, and we had a fantastic, beautiful garden or yard um, with a fish pond and a stream running through. There was a lot of lawn mowing and a lot of edging, so we all had to help do that and rake the grass. Um, but we had a lot of fun too, especially in the summer uh, because we would make root beer and sometimes we would go get it before it had fully matured and shake up the bottle. And so we would <laughs> have these plates with root beer kind of bombs. We also would collect wild cucumbers that grew along the road. And we would put them in gunny sacks and we'd save them up. And then we would have these huge fights <laughs> where we would throw these kind of mushy wild cucumbers at one another. Well, that so, sounds rather gross. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we were left to our own devices. And sometimes, uh, you know, we really used our imaginations. So. Yeah, we spent a lot of time up on the hill in the woods. I can remember we used yeah. to... We used to have little camps we would make and we would hide things in tree stumps so the boys couldn't come up and find them. And we'd go down in the fields along the ditches and, you know, we had just roamed all over the place and hid out in the barn at night. Was That was fun. I liked that part. It's fun to see what the barn's like at night, you know. I was sharing with Thea yesterday when we were just talking to prepare for this interview a little bit uh we were talking about the hillside there and i can remember going when uh, i was friends with the uh, solbergs and i can remember going up to the uh uh their waterworks it was one of his jobs to clean the screens and everything yep. and they had a tin cup up there carnation farms had one that i was up yep. uh at several times and as a true in the valley kid that our water our drinking water was a shallow well next to a pond our water tasted horrible. It just tasted horrible. I think that that's why a lot of people mixed it with so much whiskey uh, to, to get the, uh, to get, <laughs> to get the water down because it's yeah. iron water. I mean, I don't know if you guys know about that iron-like water that comes in from the valley. And that hillside water was just such a delight. I mean, it was just like, yeah. it, it was it was, it was was actually good to drink. It, yeah, that's really what ours was. It was a yeah. spring up the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. 
Well, folks, uh, that uh, about wraps up the time. I sure do appreciate you both uh, coming uh, on the program today and talking about this wonderful family of the Qualls that uh, meant so much to uh, the development of uh, the area, especially that area that just passed Cranston Farms called Vincent. Uh, it's been a delight uh, uh, talking to you about your ancestors, and I really, really do appreciate you being on. Uh, so thank you both. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. It was our, our pleasure. Yeah. And Pretty folks, uh, so, so tune in next week while we continue to explore the history of this wonderful place we call the Sunquam Valley. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.